I believe in Christ, but I just don't behave like Christ. I understand the doctrine, but I just don't have any duty. And in, in our Christian culture, a lot of people will say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't, I just basically don't act like a Christian. And the Bible doesn't know anything about that. It says if you're a believer, then your behavior is transforming constantly into His image. And so not surprisingly, right after the confession, Jesus immediately follows the confession by launching into, now, now that you've seen me, okay, Peter, okay, disciples, you've, you've recognized me, you've got the right words, now we need to go in the right way, and it's going to directly impact and transform your lives. And one of the points of impact is marriage. So if you're a believer, if you're a disciple, it radically transforms the way you think about marriage. I don't know what you were thinking on or thinking about. I can have some guesses. The day you got married. You recognize these two people? Here I am nearly 20 years ago. Here's my wife. And, you know, she said she's got hairspray that would hold her hair together. You know, in any great windstorm, it would not have moved. And uh, so here we are. And I, I had no idea really what I was getting into at this moment. And I feel quite certain Nancy had no idea what she was getting into. I was glad she was shielded from some of this. Or else she might not have been standing here at this moment. But see, this is a, this is a picture of an original. This is a copy of an original. This, this, isn't an, this isn't an original. This is a copy of the original, eternal relationship that we have with God the Father. That's what a marriage is meant to display. Your marriage isn't an original. It's not intended to be original. It's intended to be a display of an original. People are intended to look at your marriage and say, there's something else here. And men, as we talk about your role in your marriage, I want you to go home today and find this picture and look at it and ask yourself, Am I fostering that image? And we'll talk about that for a few minutes here this morning. Today we talk about men. And when I did this uh, a couple of years ago, I asked immediately after the service if the women would surround the pulpit so I could be protected from the men. And next week when I talk about women submitting to men, I'm going to ask the men to come up and protect me from the women. Well, we, we kind of laugh about that, but there are very important roles to know what's, what's this image supposed to be showing to the world. What's the original intent when we come to a marriage? Marriage and the mystery on display is one of the things that I want to talk about from verse 31 and 32. 
and marriage and for the husband a model to follow. So what what is this mystery? I want to talk about it in the biggest, biggest concept possible. So we understand what it is that's supposed to be on display. And then men, what is the model? How do we know specifically how to behave according to the original? You see in verse 31 and 32 of Ephesians that Paul and Jesus capture the foundation for marriage back into Genesis chapter 2. You remember the first human words recorded was a love song. God, the Father, walks the bride down the aisle, so to speak, and Adam wakes up from his slumber where a rib had been removed, and he sees Eve, and he just bursts into a song. He, he can't just say something. He's got to sing about it. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. What a, what a romantic start to the uh, relationship between Adam and Eve. So then God, the Father, pronounces that this new relationship is unique. He, he gives it a, a prominence and a preeminence over every relationship because he says a man shall leave his father and mother and he's going to cleave or hold fast to. We talked about that last week. He's going to be glued to this person. So now the two are one. You can't just pull them back apart. They're one. If you ever tried to separate them, tearing would occur in some form or fashion. So now, husbands, your earthly relationship is described with this kind of strong language. So everything else in your life, husbands, not, not just other women. When you get married, you don't just stop dating other people. Nothing else, husbands, gets in the way to separate you from your wife. Now, that obviously means another relationship. But it also can mean your work, your hobbies. It can be a television set, a computer screen. It can be some friends or buddies. See, nothing is to separate this relationship. So you never would want somebody jokingly to say about you, oh, he's married to his work. The, the primary reason for this emphasis in verse 32 is that Paul calls the picture a profound mystery. See, what's happening is Paul is... Jesus is saying it's very difficult sometimes for us to really understand the godly relationship between us and God. And so I'm trying to present some pictures, and the picture I, I really want to use is a man and a wife together. And so when you see the man and the wife together, it points to what Paul calls a profound mystery. In the Greek, that means mega mystery. It, the idea is, when you see this relationship happen, you're, you're so taken aback by it, the way it works, is that you, you like lose your breath and you cover your hand over your mouth. And you're like, <gasps> almost afraid to say something about it because it would sort of cheapen it. You, you couldn't quite get the words out, so you hold yourself back 
from saying something. When, when you look at a husband and wife together, that's the idea. And then it points to a more profound mystery, which is between Christ and the church. So, husbands, we're, our marriages are to be a breathtaking picture. Not, not just a picture. A, a breathtaking picture. The way you treat your wife in the culture, people should say, <coughs> I've just never seen anything like that. Not, well, you know how he works. It, it should take people's breath away that they begin to ask, how is that possible? I just don't see that demonstrated. And then what do you do? You have an open door to share the gospel. I remember my uncle, who was um, a four-star general in the Marines. He was the commander at Camp Lejeune. Six-five, played college basketball, real man's man. And he came to visit me one time, and we were out together, and we were talking, and a friend of mine came up. And the three of us were sort of just talking. And his wife came from another room. I can't remember exactly. But she kind of came into the, to the discussion. And he stopped everything. It was amazing. He had just met my friend. And as his wife walked in, he said, I don't think you've had the pleasure of meeting my wife yet. You, you see what kind of picture that had on me? And then this guy is saying, wow. He's stopping all of our conversation to point everybody to his wife. So husbands, when you look at your picture today, is this the kind of picture people are picking up on when they're looking at you and your love for your wife? The reason it's so important is, it, is because it's pointing to another permanent relationship, and that is with God. And that's why God says, I hate divorce. Because when there's divorce, then it has a negative impact on how people view God Himself. It's interesting that in Ephesians, Paul uses the word mystery in another place. And he says, when you see this mystery, boy, it's profound. And it points to Christ in a very unique way. You know where he uses it? When Jew and Gentile come together. So in the church, when separate ethnic groups, when separate economic groups, when separate languages, when when they come together and they form one body, then people go, wow, how is this possible that these kinds of people are getting along with these kinds of people? And it takes their breath away and they say, there must be something else here than what I normally see. And it's an opportunity to point to Christ. Well, that's a whole other sermon. But what I want us to understand that when we see a wedding, what the clear picture is. And we'll talk about this more next week. But when the bride comes down the aisle, she represents the church. She represents every disciple, every believer. And husbands, as you receive your bride, you... Not only on that day, but in the rest of the days of your relationship, 
You represent Jesus Christ. I want the weight of that to fall upon you, husbands. If you're not married, I want you the weight of that to fall on you, men. You represent Jesus Christ. You're, in a way, your wife does not. If someone were to ask me, Paul, you talk about Jesus loves me. Uh, can you show me a picture? I mean, I'm having a hard time sort of understanding it. Can, is there something you can point to that's a little more concrete that I can say, oh, it's, I see now. It's like that. Do you know that the world is dying for a picture like that? Do you know that everyone here today really wants to see that picture? Do you know that your wife and your children every single day are hungry to see that picture? And guess who's it? Husbands, you're it! You get the opportunity to display it every day to your wife, to your children, to the community, maybe to a whole nation who's looking for a model and saying, I'm having a hard time understanding. Husbands, you get to be that display. The profound mystery of God's glorious love for His people is revealed and displayed in your relationship with your wife. That's the profound mystery. Now, you should be asking yourself this question. (laughs) Well, how do I do that? And I want to give a few specifics here, but generally I I want us to understand again what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 5. First, let's look in verse 25. Ephesians 5, 25. Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. This word love is a command. Does that seem unusual? To be commanded to love? I thought it was just a feeling. I mean, I'm in love and I'm out of love and I'm back in it again. That's That's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying, husbands, you must love your wives. Tim Keller says this, The difficulty in getting married is that at some point you begin acting like yourself. You know, when you're dating somebody, you can act like a better version of yourself. And so every time you go on a date, you dress up. And you try to put away things that you don't want anybody to see. Whether that's emotionally or or physically or any other way. But then what happens when you get married? You, all those things come out. And you start acting like yourself. And your husband begins to see yourself. And husbands, when your wives begin acting like themselves, you're commanded to love. It's not conditional. 
It's not saying, well, when she keeps acting like this, then I love her. No, that's not the case. All the time, it's a command without any condition. Second, we see is that the command is to do something, and that is to love. Now, I think if we were just reading this text for the first time, if we got into Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your husbands. And then we went to verse 25. Again, if we were just reading it for the very first time. And then it said, Husbands, blank. What would you think Paul would have written there? Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, blank. Probably something like this. Govern. Rule. Lead. But he doesn't say that. I, I think it actually, if you, read it for the, if you can read it for the first time, it kind of catches you off guard. He says something very different. He says, love your wives. I, I think very unfortunately we read verse 22... Men and women. And then we just stop there. And we get the idea that if you're a woman, well, you just got to be sort of a doormat. And if you're a man, that's, you've got to rule and govern. And that's the idea. And we, and we don't read on. And we see that the command is given not to govern or rule or exercise authority. The command is to love. I think the, one of the reasons that it catches us off guard is that Jesus catches us off guard by the way He interacts with sinful people. You, you would think if God Almighty came in the flesh and He actually saw me and saw into my soul, He would want to basically not have anything to do with me or maybe just sort of eliminate me from the equation right away. But you remember when the bleeding woman came to Christ and he stops, he stops his whole procession. And what does he do? He looks for the woman. And then when he finds the woman, what happens? He listens to her whole story. Twelve years, all this money spent. And he stops and he takes time to listen. When the leper comes to Christ, Christ could have just said, be healed. But what does he do? He stretches out His hand. He touches the leper. He does something very surprising. When Zacchaeus is just looking for Jesus and he finds out that Jesus is looking for him, and Jesus gets underneath the tree and He says, Zacchaeus, He doesn't pick up a stone and throw it at Zacchaeus and knock him out of the tree. He says, come down Zacchaeus. Let's go home. I'd like to be with you today. It totally catches us off guard. And so as we love our wives as Christ loved the church, it catches people off guard. Wow! I didn't realize it was actually supposed to be that way. And it points people to Christ. Now just to make sure of this, Paul says, I, I, I want to make sure there's no confusion over what it really looks like. Because you can just say, love your wives, and that can just mean something very broad. And so Paul is, is digging down and he says, I, I don't want there to be any confusion. I want it to look just like this. Here's your model. The model is 
the way Christ loved the church. And I want you to circle this, men. And he gave himself up for her. That's the display. That's the model. The husband's leadership is displayed not through giving, not through governing, but through giving. It's not displayed by demanding, but by devotion. Not by power, but by passion. So you see what happens, men? Our model is Christ. So if we were to do a three or four week series at Easter on the crucifixion, do you see what would be happening for every man here? It would double as a series on how to love your wife. The more you learn about this, the more you learn how to love your wife. And so when we look at Christ, we see He's the model. He gives Himself up for her. C.S. Lewis says this, The husband's crown is not made of gold, but of thorns. The, the, the greatest picture of this biblically has to be, other than Christ, the Old Testament prophet Hosea. You remember the story, Hosea is uh, going to marry Gomer, and Gomer is a prostitute. And it's going to be a picture because God's people have prostituted themselves, and, it, and Hosea is still supposed to love his wife so that the people understand that God still loves them even in the midst of them being unfaithful to God. Hosea marries Gomer. Gomer sells herself then to other men. Even when she's out living with other men, Hosea comes and actually gives her money and goods and she doesn't know it, but he continues to supply for her need. Finally, she's up for sale. Nobody really wants her anymore. And so she goes to a slave market and God tells Hosea, you go down there and with your own money, you buy her back. And really, in one of the most stunning verses in the Bible, Hosea 3, 1, the Lord said to me, go again and get her, pay for her, bring her back. No, go again, Hosea, and love her. What? Love her? I mean, are you crazy? And do you see what's happening? Men, that's your picture. No matter what happens, you are commanded to love. The command also is proactive. It's, it's a command. It's a command to do something very specific, love. And it's, you're going to love like Christ loved the church. And it's a proactive command. Hosea, go again. Jesus came to give his life up for the church. And I think it's so important to understand this part. One, because it's biblical. You see that in the incarnation, this is the greatest picture Christ comes. 
He comes an incredible distance, a distance that we can't even imagine. And He's coming for His bride. He's giving Himself up for her. He's always chasing her down. He's always looking for her. When the coin is lost, when when the sheep is lost, He's always passionately pursuing His bride. All the time, He's in this forward movement mode for the benefit of His wife. Men, When you're forwardly pursuing your wife, is it for her benefit or is it for yours? Have you passionately pursued your wife until she became your wife and then you just sort of backed off? What a terrible picture that is for your kids and for the world of what Christ's love is like. You get into this relationship with Christ and you say, this is so wonderful. And you're, you're supposed to be modeling out that it gets better and better and better by the way you pursue your wife. Now, I learned this lesson. It took me a couple of times, but I can specifically remember this. We had gotten married. We'd moved to Wilmington. We had a couple of young children. Zachary and Morgan maybe were like one and three. And so... I'm being the passionate husband, sweetie, let's go out on a date. Great, Friday night, Saturday night. So I come sort of racing home from work. Nancy has gotten a babysitter. She's, she's cleaned the house. She's gotten all the instructions down. She's cooked food now for her, her kids and this babysitter who has to eat too. She's given all the instructions And we get into the car and with the greatest passion I could muster up, I say, what would you like to do? I I feared for my life at that moment. I, I haven't been shaken like that many times. But the icy cold air that came into that car at that moment was chilling. Why? She had done everything. And what was she rightfully wanting? Just one time, Paul. Put some time into it. Pursue me. Act like you care. You see, I used to do that. But it just kind of faded away. Life got busy. Things began to separate our relationship. And now I begin to make all the demands of her. And you see what a terrible picture that is of Christ. He he does absolutely everything. He keeps proactively coming. Now husbands, if you struggle in this area, and probably just a couple of you do, the couple that need help, I wouldn't go home and ask your wife, what you should do. I would come ask another guy who's failed some. Because asking your wife is going to just perpetuate the same problem that you already have. So I can give you some ideas, but ask somebody else what you should do and then try to make that work. This, this, now, let me give you another good example, and this doesn't happen very often. In fact, I can only think of it happening this time. That's why I'm recalling it this moment. Uh, two or three weekends ago, my kids are out of the house on the weekend, which I'm encouraging all the time. And so I'm just with my wife, and 
we've got a little place down at the beach this friend let us use, and she doesn't really want to go. I mean, she did want to go before, but then we get there, it's hectic, and I'm saying, we're going. So we go, and we sit in this love seat, we just look at the ocean, and I, I think it was two hours. No lights on, just sitting there looking out, just talking. I, I'm just there, totally available, however long it takes to sort of just unwind the tape. And I think it was a couple hours. And this is the peak, maybe. I've peaked at 43. But she looks at me and she says, Okay, I'm tired of all the reflective talk. Let's turn on the television and see if anything's on. Well, I'm like, Yeah! I did it! One time! I mean, because, you know, after two minutes, I'm like, What's on the television? But no, I'm waiting the whole time. I'm giving her all the space that she needs. Husbands, when you go home and you look at your picture, is that the picture you're giving your wife? That's the picture your kids, your kids are never, ever going to see a better vision of Christ than you. They might see it in a pastor or a teacher or a coach or a friend, but the very best picture they're ever going to get is you. Finally, I think it's important to know that Paul understands that something profound is happening here and we as husbands need to understand it because this command to love, this passionate pursuit for their needs, not yours, has an, an ultimate goal in mind. Verse 26. He gives himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present her, present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. When, a, when you're in a wedding ceremony, the, the dad walks the daughter down the aisle. And in some sense, the dad should be saying, for, for the last 20 years, 25, 30 years, however long it is, I've done my best. I, I've, I've cared for her. I've, I've helped her. I've encouraged her. I've protected her, and here I'm presenting the cleanest, most radiant, flowing, white flowing bride that I can present. And then the dad hands the the woman, the daughter, off to the groom, and now the groom is saying, for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, I'm going to take that role on. It's not your responsibility anymore. I'm going to care. I'm going to protect. I'm going to love. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to... And I understand because I'm going to walk her down another aisle. And I'm going to hand my wife off to another groom one day.
I am responsible for this bride. To bring her all the way to Christ. And to look at Christ and say, I've done everything I can. I'm presenting her as as best I can. And I'm going to put her hand into your hand. And now you are going to be eternally married. And I so desperately want for myself, and I hope, men, you want it desperately for yourself, that the groom, the, the groom of all creation would look at you and say, well done. Well done. Thank you for bringing her all the way. I know there were some real difficulties. Some real challenges. But you kept bringing her to me best you could. That's going to happen one day. Every husband will have to stand before that groom and give an account to how he has ushered her all the way down. That's a reality. Now, when I get to this point, I just think, I, I'm desperate for help. I feel like I can't, I just can't do this on my own. You weren't ever meant to do it on your own. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's something that you have to understand that when Christ, on the night before He was betrayed, He came to you, husbands. And He said, Now, I've given Myself for you. I've come all the way for you. You didn't have to take one step. And then He uses this language. Remember, he pours the cup. And you remember what he says? This is a new covenant. It's marriage language. And so in some sense, when you come forward today, you're saying, I'm married. And husbands, when you understand this love of Christ when it begins to work its way into your soul. That when the Creator of all universe has come all the way for you, then and only then will you be able to have the strength and the power to bring your bride all the way home. Let's pray together. Lord, what an incredible picture marriage is. And how desperately we need it in our culture. Our our culture is literally decaying before us because husbands, Christian husbands, not, not, not the people who don't understand this, people inside the church do not understand what their role is and the picture they're supposed to present. So I pray for this Word to penetrate every heart of every man in this room for the glory of God.
But I'm so thankful today that we have the table before us. Because this is an impossibility on our own. We're just too selfish. We love ourselves. We're interested in other things. We're passionate about other things. Unless we really understand the passion of your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. So as we, as we make our way forward carefully, help us to, to see this as a reminder, a, a, a picture forward of another great wedding ceremony. Oh, help us to take seriously what we have stood before You and promised. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'll ask the elders to come forward. Men, as you, as you come forward, I want you to think about how well-loved you are today by Christ. You are well-loved. And out of that overflow, you can love well your wife.